0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 25th of November, 2020. In acting, there is a practice that is referred to as breaking the fourth wall. Uh, This happens, let's say you're watching a movie or a TV show, and at some point, one of the actors or actresses kind of almost steps out of character and instead of looking at their uh, at the other actors in the scene, they turn and they look straight into the camera and they speak to you, the viewer. Uh, maybe you can think of some examples of, of times you've seen that happen where all of a sudden they're looking straight at you and they're talking to you. Well, that's a practice that I feel, I mean, obviously it's not happening, but I feel like that happens sometimes when I am reading the Gospels. Sometimes Jesus will say something to the disciples and it feels like he's breaking the fourth wall because it feels like he's not just speaking to his followers in that moment. It feels like he is proverbially looking straight into the camera and talking directly to me. And, and now we don't want to uh, kind of get carried away with our uh, study of scripture and making it w- mean whatever we want to mean. That's not what I'm talking about. But I think you can all relate to those times when Jesus says something to someone in the Gospels, and for some reason it hits us right in the heart because we feel either encouraged or often convicted. By what he is saying. And we're going to see one of those statements for me today in John chapter 11 verses 38 to 44. John chapter 11 verses 38 to 44. And we've been in this drama of his friend, Lazarus has died. Now we know how the story ends, but we've seen uh, Jesus intentionally waits. I mean, to put it simply, Jesus lets him die. He doesn't show up early to heal him and save the day. And, uh, Then he interacts with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And today we're going to see that Jesus, he definitely delayed because now he finally shows up at the tomb. He shows up at the tomb. He says, take away the stone. And Martha says to him, and, and this is one of the times where I do miss the old King James version. You know, she says that he's been dead for four days. He's been in the tomb four days. By now it surely stinketh. Right. Or in the ESV, it says, there will be an odor. Right, right. she's they're, they're saying, no, don't, don't, don't roll away the stone because it's gonna stink, Jesus. Don't do that. But then look at how Jesus responds. And this is where I'm like, oh, ouch. It feels like Jesus is talking to me. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Wow. I mean, he rebukes her because clearly, even though Jesus told Martha earlier, I am the resurrection and the life. And even though in verse 23, he said straight up, your brother will rise again. Clearly, uh, while Martha does understand some things, because she has confessed that he is the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. That's great that she understands that. But clearly she did not understand what Jesus was going to do. And he says, and it seems like maybe a a gentle rebuke here. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then we know what happens next. Jesus prays to his father and he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus listens. He comes out of the tomb, he's still bound with with all of the the dressings of uh, a, a dead person in those days, and Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Lazarus has risen from the dead because of what Jesus did. But those words really leapt out to me today as I read this passage, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And we have to evaluate situations in our own lives where we we don't believe that we're gonna see God be glorified. I think what happens lots of times is we get carried away with our emotions, either just into the, the depths of depression or disappointment, or we run away with fear and anxiety instead of just continuing to believe, hey, I'm confident whatever the situation might be for me, I am going to see the glory of God. I don't know always what that's going to look like. But if I believe, if I have faith, I can trust God's going to be glorified somehow in this. And I think for us now as believers, that that thought really lines up with a lot of what we see elsewhere in scripture, that God causes all things to work together for good, that we know his ultimate plan is to use all things for his glory and for are good now. We don't always know what that looks like, and sometimes what God is showing us to be good isn't what we would have drawn up as good. But we know we trust it is better. And even reading this made me remember a quote from Martin Lloyd Jones, where he said that faith is the refusal to panic, and that seems to go well with with this. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And how, as Christians, we should never panic. We should believe. That in whatever situation we are in, we will see the glory of God. We will see God work to glorify himself. And again, we don't always know what that's going to look like. It doesn't always look the same way. Uh, Sometimes God glorifies himself even through the death of a believer. Uh, Sometimes he glorifies himself through a believer being on their deathbed and being healed and coming back to full health. We don't always know. But we don't ever need to panic because we can trust as Christians, whatever God is going to do is going to glorify himself. So I don't know what situations are going on in in your life today. um, But what I want to encourage you with is these words from Jesus. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? As Christians, we should be on the edge of our seats every single day watching and waiting to see how God is going to reveal his glory today. But the unfortunate reality is that's not how we're thinking nearly enough. So let's take these words from Jesus. I know he is not technically breaking the fourth wall, but sometimes when I read passages like this, it sure feels like it. Let's take these words to heart and let's live it out. And let's trust that the reality of jesus that's something we saw earlier, just recently here in John, in John chapter ten, both in our reading and in our preaching through the Gospel of John—that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, and as we looked at that passage, we remembered that that probably was ringing some bells for people from the Old Testament. And one of those passages that probably was coming up into their mind came from the book of Ezekiel. And that takes us today to Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 34 to 36 today. And chapter 34 begins with a rebuke of the shepherds of Israel. And this is probably referring to the religious leaders. And we see uh, God rebuking them and we see how self-centered they are. And that really seems to be the uh, the contrast that Jesus is drawing out in John chapter 10. Well, as opposed to these selfish and self-serving shepherds in Ezekiel 34, I am, Jesus says, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And that's what we see here at the beginning of 34. It's a rebuke of these selfish shepherds. And then the Lord says, no, I'm going to go seek my flock out. And again, this is where we start to see a turning of the tide of the book of Ezekiel, where up until now, it has very much been Judgment is coming. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed for the abominations that have been going on there. Where today we're going to see the tide shift, and God is going to start looking past the destruction of the Jerusalem to the restoration of his people. And like many of the other prophets that we've seen, I think some of these things are going to be fulfilled in the near future. Uh, some of these things are, are going to be fulfilled um, through Christ. And some of these things, I think we are still waiting for them to be fulfilled. And we'll really get into that some later in Ezekiel. But today, God even talks about how he's going to seek them out. And I think this is one way that Jesus is saying, I am fulfilling what um, Ezekiel was talking about, because I am the shepherd that's coming. I'm calling my sheep. They're following me. Even I have sheep from another fold that I'm going to add to this. And we see this coming true. Um, We we do see some prophecies again against neighboring areas, and we start seeing God in in chapter 36, he is going to exalt Israel again. And he makes it clear, he's going to do this for his own name's sake. He went and punished the people of Israel because they were acting wickedly. And he said, hey, that makes me look bad, which Sometimes if you and I were thinking that way, that's a problem, but you and I aren't God. Your name and my name should not be praised above all other names. The name of the Lord should. And so God had to judge his people because they were dragging his name through the mud. But then it's as if he says, well, okay, but now people look, oh, look, those people of God, they've been wiped out. God says, now I'm going to restore you. And I'm going to do it for my own name's sake. And then we see, um, we're going to notice a couple things that we've seen reading through John that refer back to Ezekiel. John 10, I am the good shepherd. Uh, Ezekiel 34, well, when Jesus says, you must be born again, you must be born of water and the spirit. I think he's referring to Ezekiel chapter 36. And really a passage that describes the new covenant, which we know from Hebrews was kind of inaugurated through Jesus Christ. And we read about that at the end of Ezekiel 36 today. So a lot of things in Ezekiel that actually connect with what we've been reading and studying at Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley uh, in the gospel of John. But again, you're noticing that shift from, okay, judgment on Jerusalem to future restoration For the people of Israel. And we'll start to see some prophetic and poetic images of that even tomorrow with this whole valley of dry bones and beyond. Well, let's check in with what Jesus is saying, um, kind of almost uh, not really breaking the fourth wall, but speaking now directly to some churches through the Apostle John. In Revelation chapter 3 verses 1 through 13. And today we read about the church in Sardis and the church in Philadelphia. And the church in Philadelphia is another one of the churches that seems to get a positive letter where he is mostly encouraging them. And he talks about the open door that they, that they have. And he says in verse 10, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. He's talking to them about endurance here. Where The church before that is a different picture. I mean, wow, I would not want Jesus to say these words to me or to our church where he says, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wow. Shocking words from Jesus. But he does say in verse four, yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. So there we see there's a church that they're holding strong. They're patiently enduring. And then there's some people in this other church in Sardis that they are staying pure. They're they're not giving in to the deadness around them. Whatever our situation, that should be a call to us to patient endurance, that we would continue to follow Christ, whether that's popular or not. Uh, Now, finally, I want to wrap up intentionally today in the book of Psalms, Psalm 135, one through seven. I think it's a great way for us to wrap up this podcast and a great way for us to kick off really the celebration of Thanksgiving. Uh, Psalm 135 says, praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth. In the seas and all the deeps, he it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain, and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. One thing I love about Thanksgiving for Christians is we know who we're giving thanks to. We're giving thanks to God. And this Thanksgiving, may we make sure that we know we are giving thanks to the Lord who is great The Lord who is seated on the throne doing whatever he pleases. Uh, 2020, as we gather around the Thanksgiving table, we know has not gone according to any of our plans, but it has gone exactly according to the plans of the God who is on the throne, who does whatever he pleases. So may we turn our attention to him and give thanks this Thanksgiving. And again, I want to remind you that while we'll continue with our reading these next couple of days, there will not be a podcast on Thursday or Friday this week, but don't worry. Even some of the stuff that we miss, we'll catch up with some of that on Saturday when we come back from that, you know days with, you know, the tryptophan days after we've eaten all that turkey and we've taken all of our naps. Saturday, we'll make sure that we're getting back into it and we're catching up together. But until then, please take some time, be with your families and give thanks to God from whom all blessings flow.